this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. This call is being recorded. Everybody should know because you had homework. What were we last week? The fish gate. The fish gate. No, we were. You were not on the fish gate? No, no we were in we Nehemiah were. chapter 4, verse 1. We were in chapter 4. And so we were told oh. to really look at how the enemy hinders us in many aspects of our interaction with one another as well as uh when it comes to people that oppose the things that of christ and so really to understand the things that that people oppose and how we react to the things that uh are opposed by the enemy hold on a second alexa turn the volume down anyway and so and really looking at this, I think we need to walk a little bit further. And let's walk a little bit further because it's so important that we begin to really see what's going on and in this particular uh, chapter so that we have a better understanding. But there's some things that really stood out to me, and I really want to uh, hopefully bring them home to you guys so you can actually see them as well. So, Precious, I'm going to put it in your hand, if you can go ahead and read. Okay, so I'm reading from Nehemiah 4, starting with verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, Jews, excuse me, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Keep going. Yeah. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up upon it, would break down their wall of stones. Hmm. Stop there. Because what they were literally saying that the work wasn't secure. Did you guys get that one? Mm -hmm. That means a fox running across it, it would crumble into pieces. So they were really attacking the work in a way in which it really makes you say that the work that you're doing is of no value because it's not even going to end up. It's not going to sustain itself. But if we go back and we begin to look at the walls of our our own relationships, our hearts, uh, is it that when a fox runs across your path, does your walls, spiritual walls, immediately crumble? You know, it really makes you stop to look at how strong are your walls. And 
what are you doing to sustain the walk? So if you guys can stop and think about that for just a second, what would fall across, run across it and cause it to be destroyed? I think initially it would cause a distraction in your um in your fortifying of your wall, of your relationship. Anybody else? Um, I was going to say that, you know, and during this time, uh the israel hasn't built the wall and then the enemy or the people that mocking israelite is to in a way gaslit the israelite to kind of not to do what they purposely got put in their heart to do to build the wall so a lot of time is to hinder the motivation and question our own intention so instead of doing we paralyze and question ourselves um for me in reading this verse um what is this i want to say two and three looking at all the different words, accusations, um, whether they be true or false, that are consistently just kind of going around them. And that kind of just building up that pressure to where your walls can't stand because those words are constantly coming at you to where then something so small comes and then you you just crumble. Your walls can't even stand. But it started off with the words, false accusations, those ridicules, lies. I think, Precious, you said a lot there because it's really about the constant ridicule that goes on. And and the first time something go, runs across your path, it's like everything that you believe in crumbles. Your whole faith then turns inward instead of being an outward uh, reflection of who Christ is. You crumble in the midst, and it looks like you're part of Satan's world where you're on Satan's side rather on, rather than being on Christ's side. Last week, says, Faye had, can I say something? Uh-huh. Last week, Faye had mentioned something, um, and I don't really think a lot of us really heard her when she had brought to all of our attention in verse one, who Christ says we are to him and how before the enemy can even come to bring those lies to us, we are then to be built up on not only God's word, but who he calls us. Then when those things come, they can't even get close. It's like, really, you got to go way over there, you know, um, 
So I wanted to bring that to our attention as well. Anyone else? So making sure that you guys see that in their heart, they were very upset at the thought that Nehemiah would come and really repair a city that they had torn down. They were very angry. And the Lord says, and any time we stand for Christ and we truly stand for him, Satan gets angry. And the first thing he goes after is something that you handed over to him, and that is your weakness. But Nehemiah teaches all of us how to stand under opposition, and hopefully you guys got that and will get this as we go forward in the message, because he gives us the perfect example, but he gave us the perfect example when he started this quest out. The first thing he thought was to pray. Every time he ran into something that was difficult, what did he do? He prayed. And he sought God for understanding and directions on how to stand and to continue to move forward in the mission that was required of him. Is this something that we do today? When something goes wrong, what do we do? Amanda? Huh? Sorry, Judah just ran in the room. When something goes wrong, what do we do? When something goes wrong, when it's something that's in your path that God is giving you to do, and it goes wrong, what do you do, Amanda? I throw a Maltov cocktail at it and tear it down. <laughs> oh, that's the perfect example. And why did you set it on fire? Can you give us yeah, give give us a little more of how you how you handle that? Um when I've trusted and built myself up in the Lord about something and believed him for it, but then opposition comes or it is disappointing, it's easy to want to abandon um the the fight because you you walk in disappointment and it's like the things you were hoping and trusting in are proving to be false that's what it feels like 
and rather than endure and see past it, um, it's easier. Yes, bubbles. It's easier to give up. But what should push us on? And uh, and truly in here, Precious, if you can read a little bit further, because I want you guys to see what motivated uh, Nehemiah to keep going, despite the opposition that he held. So verse four, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Wait a minute, let's back up, because Nehemiah is praying against them, isn't he? And if you stop to really look at this, he's literally saying, for what they are doing, Lord, venge, vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, isn't that cool? But, but remember, his mission is by God. Mm-hmm. And so he's going forward to do the work of God, and he knows that God put him to do the work. And so the people are coming against God. They're not coming against Nehemiah. And so in this, Nehemiah prays the correct prayer. And so when you stop to think, when should we begin to ask God to move? And and he's praying, and I hopefully you guys get this, he's praying words in the spirit. So he's praying as a means of the spirit giving him what to say. And how do we know that? By looking at his prior prayers, we know he's led by the Spirit. And in this particular prayer, he's led again. But go over what he just said so that all of you guys can get it. Verse 4, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. I kind of thought this was cruel, but then I went to Psalm 38, 13, and it literally says, but I am a deaf man, uh, heard not. Wait a minute. I don't think that was the right one. Give me a second. Um, Psalm 37, first thing it says, do not fret those evildoers. Mm-hmm. That's the first verse. Mm-hmm. 
And I believe that's I believe that's what I was trying to read because I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't say sound right. As I was looking it up. Uh, as he was literally saying that this was God's mission and wasn't his own. And so he literally was saying, Lord, deal with whatever gets in the way that hinders your word from going forward or what you've called me to do from going forward. And so he literally begged God to avenge uh, their cause and to turn the reapproach upon the enemies themselves. So what they had plotted and planned, he said, turn it upon them. And, and it's not something that we should be fearful to pray for the, those that spitefully uh, work against us. And when we know it's God's plan, that we can literally ask God to move in this fashion. Let's go a little bit further. Verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard... I want to stop you on something. For the people worked with all their heart. That's what the Holy Spirit had me... He had me to stay there, and I spent so much time in there. They worked with all their heart. When we are doing the works of God, do we put all of our heart into it? He said you don't. He said many times you're not fully committed to the cause. He said, you spend more time trying to get out of the work than to do the work. And he said, what does he, does he mean by that? Lord, do I have to say that? Is this really you speaking to me? You know, we're always in that place where we're questioning and doubting everything. And in that place where we're questioning and doubting everything, we're literally saying, Lord, I really don't want to do this. And if you can get me out of this, I'm okay with it. He said, again, 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 how do you go about protecting your walls? And then he literally showed me like we're constantly in that place that we're constantly repairing things because we're not willing to stand up in the places that we're called to do. Again, 
it makes you stop to question exactly what Faye was saying, exactly what Precious was uh, saying as well, is our relationship. Where does that relationship with God truly exist in us? Because if we have strong foundation and our relationship to where we're sold out with God, we're sold out. You know, today I was listening to a sermon, and this sermon rocked my soul. And he rocked it. It rocked me because the messenger spoke something as simple as this. He began to talk about the alabaster jar. He talked about it in the Old Testament. He brought it forward in the New Testament. And then he talked about the women who uh, wanted, uh, did not want to do the work. Uh, they wanted somebody else to do the work. And so they literally said, our candles are going out. Give us some oil for our lamp. They wasn't willing to go and labor themselves. They wanted just somebody else to labor for them. And so when it really made me stop to think a lot of times we want somebody else to labor for us and we, instead of us laboring ourselves. In addition to that, he went forward and he brought up the other situation and that other situation he brought up that really rocked me. He then went on and he talked about Jesus and, and, and the woman that pulled the oil which represented a, a whole, you know, month's wages or whatever the case may be, and she poured it out on Jesus. And the ridicule that came at the people, uh, at, at, at the person that poured it out upon Jesus, and, 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 and what the gentleman who was speaking today really rocked me is because he said, how much are we really willing to give to Jesus? How much are you willing to give to Jesus? Are you sitting there counting what you would give him? Lord, I'm only going to give you this portion because the rest of this belongs to me. Oh. And it and it, it and it has to do with the works you do as well. How much are you willing to give? Are you holding stuff back because you believe it should go somewhere else? And, and people who are really sold out, they're completely completely given their entire self over to God. I know sometimes I'll say, ooh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to sweat my hair out. I don't know if you guys go through what I go through. I don't want to sweat my hair out. So I don't want to get too worked up because I don't want to sweat. I don't want to do that. So I'll pick the lighter job because I don't want to sweat my hair out. But spiritually, we do the same thing. But you guys see that? Questions around that? No question. 
There should have been a lot of questions around that one. Well, I have a question, but I mean, it's all the way back in verse four. Um, the prayer that Nehemiah had prayed and him praying that prayer, you had mentioned um, he knew that these things were because of God. He didn't take on those cares himself. How can we, or what, what can be the encouragement for us to know that these things aren't because of our own acts or whatever, but it's because of the Christ on the inside of us, you know, what could help us to continue to know and differentiate the two? Um, the intimacy, the relationship, because when you're really secure in your relationship, nobody can tell you that it's not God. When you're really secure in who you are and what he's requiring of you to do, nobody can tell you something different. It will be just like me saying to you today, I know God gave you a vision of something not too long ago. And in that vision, you knew it was God, right, Precious? Mm -hmm. And no shadow of a doubt, because you don't speak that way, right? Mm -hmm. But I would turn around and say to you, Precious, that's not God. Yes, it was. It doesn't line <laughs> up. It doesn't line up. And if I constantly said that to you, that it doesn't line up and keep telling you the same thing, eventually what are you going to do? You're going to start questioning what's on the inside of you. And eventually, you're, if somebody else comes behind me and say it, then you're going to start questioning the Christ on the inside of you. And that's where many of us are at. We are in that place where we are questioning the Christ upon us because it, somebody didn't hear the way you heard it. Mm. There it is. Or better yet, I don't sound like the other person. And we all know God speaks to each of us differently. Doesn't mean that you don't hear. It just means that, hey, that may not have been God that day, but it could have been God all the other time. But many of us are silent because we are afraid to be wrong. But to be wrong is to grow in Christ. To learn how to stand up in that is, is so important. I think you guys know my walk. I've been wrong so many times. But did I ever stop getting up? I kept trying. I never gave up. And I'm still not giving up. And many of you, the first few times you heard you were wrong, you gave up. So how do you even begin to do the works of Christ when you can't even stand up in the day-to-day -day conversation with him? The enemy has you tied because you're afraid to stand up and speak the things that God is saying. And so when he says in the message that the, uh, how would I say, the fox ran across it. Yeah, the fox ran across and he tore your whole building down. 
better yet, an ant or something could have ran by it, and your whole world crumbled. So when do you repair it? Question, you guys? I believe it starts when we have our intimate moment of uh, of uh, in our prayer. Uh, my God is your God, but my relationship is my relationship. And I may not hear what you hear or what, what Father God says to you, uh, but I can't allow myself contrary to what I'm saying, we get distracted. I get distracted. And um and 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 it poses one to second guess themselves. And instead of building it up, we're contributed to tearing it down or not sustaining it. Um and we have to stay focused or I have to stay focused on the mere uh notion that it's my relationship. It's my relationship is with Father God is my relationship. But to answer the question that you posed, I think during that that intimate moment within my relationship, and I would say the most intimate uh, moment uh, with Father God is when I'm in prayer, and uh, to be more uh, to have a godly hearing, to to pray for that, to to hear the word, to hear his 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 communication to my to my faith to me, and and my relationship, and not base it upon or compare it to to others. But it starts with that intimate, and that's with prayer. For me. Good. And I wanted to just Very share good. something. Go ahead. Oh, um, I wanted to just share something since I was in this place this week of tearing myself down. Um, in that place, the Holy Spirit drew my attention to the Lord being my Redeemer. And so um, he had me look up the word um, redeem. And the word redeem means uh, compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something, or compensate for the defects of. And then the Holy Spirit likened it to a tree because there's just a little plant in my house. And when the tree is um, weak or the tree is not able to stand on its own or have issues, uh, you will put a stick inside the dirt and tie it to the tree to compensate for those issues so that the tree remains standing. And so because Jesus Christ is our Redeemer and we have been redeemed, Although, yes, we do have faults, we have defects and issues, um, but yet God, being who he is to us, keeps us standing. And so that gave me the confidence to say, okay, you know what, let me try, let me keep going, let me push forward to share or to speak or to do whatever it is the Lord has put in my heart to do. Um, And although, yes, there's going to be faults and issues with the things that I do, God is going to compensate for that because he's my redeemer. 
Amen. Pastor, are you there? Oh my God, I'm talking to myself. Oh my God. <laughs> I said, <laughs> let me repeat what I said. I said, you know, how often do we really stand for the work that God is calling forth in our life? One of the simplest uh, things that he calls for us to be witnesses for him. I was having a conversation with Paul and Paul said, you know, I would love to challenge the members of the church to go out and bring a, a, a visitor in. Every, uh, every one of us bring in a visitor. And as I sit here and look at this message, I, I would say, would we be successful in that challenge? But that's our everyday challenge. God requires that we preach the gospel. Our job is to preach the gospel. How successful would we be if we took on that challenge? We always take on the challenge. Oh, let's go ahead and fast for 21 days. Let's do this. Why don't we do another type of fast for God by standing up and basically really ministering to people and inviting them into the house of God to receive what we receive? A great challenge. Would we be up for the challenge or would we cower out? Because I think if we start with the first thing is to, to, to take on what our mission is, and that mission is to go forth and preach the gospel unto every living creature. Because I think if you got, were got able to get one to church, it would really encourage you to get another and to continue to go forward because it, it does something to your faith. So what do you guys think of that? That's a great idea. I'm looking for it. I, I agree. It's a great idea. It'll push some of us to get outside of our comfort zone. Like myself. Wow, Paul, they took on your request. 
So how are you going to respond to that as well? Are you I there, would, uh, Of course. Um, I, you know, Pastor, you know I'm always going to think before I speak, but um, as you were talking, uh, and I digress back when I first mentioned this to you, um, you know, when we harvest uh, man, others, and then we want to grow top quality faith, we also want to feed our, uh, we want to feed ourselves. We want to be nourished and we want to grow. And there's so many uh, uh, components uh, or uh, facets that leads to our growth uh, spiritually. And um, it will do, it will do good, not just individually, but collectively. Um, once again, as you were talking and, and I'm reflecting, um, it just to sustain oneself and uh in in their relationship in my relationship with father god i i look at it as um in my relationship i am uh, me and father god i have an oar and he has an oar and we're in this rowboat of life spiritually and if i just pull my or pull, do my part. And I know there's going to be some trials and tribulations uh, every day. And I may not pull it uh, 60%. I may pull it 20%, 30%. But Father God still has me. And he's not looking for my perfection. He's looking for my consistency to be obedient. So all that was just funneling in as you were speaking, but yes, uh, I I um, I think that would be uh, a total uh, an overall uh, a blessing uh, for us individually and collectively, and it also will help grow top quality faith ministries. And so, Josie, I stand corrected. We are at the fish gate because we're fishing for men. And so Precious texted me and said, uh, you were right. So, yes, we're talking about fishing for men. So, yes, <laughs> technically, we are here. <laughs> I will tell you from the last week because I didn't get to go. And every time I keep thinking, it was like talking. Oh, I know the answer, and I'm trying to talk, but it's just a recording. And and being able, because if we're at the fish gate and we're fishing for man, we have to be able to take that rejection and know as as not a problem and not be a, a move because somebody says no, you just go after the next fish mm-hmm. and you keep fishing until you catch mm-hmm. it. 
And don't be upset if you if you catch a boot. <laughs> Say that again. Josie had said something and I couldn't really hear her. Can you Josie, guys hear can me? You hear you? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Oh, I, I can hear you. I, I'm sorry. I have to put it on mute. I forgot. Okay, so if we can really take on that challenge, and so how long this challenge should be, you guys? Twenty-one days. Continue. This should be infinite. Yeah. Yeah. This is timeline. Ask. I mean, if we're going to praise God, because it would really say that, hey, I'm moving past my comfort, and I'm really standing for the things that I believe in. And and it goes back to what I literally said, you know, instead of looking at how much would you give to Christ? You know, when I look at the woman again and really looking at her and the jar of oil and nobody wanted him to have that. Think about, you know, how Satan doesn't want people to come into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we need to begin to oppose the things that oppose the people and stand in that place where we're truly standing for Christ. Let's go a little bit further and see what's that. Okay. Um, verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. There's the key. Did you hear that? So they prayed to their God and they posted a guard to meet the threat. So they prayed and then they posted. So in return, God said, post a guard to 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 avenge the threat, to come against that threat. So they got insight on what to do. And so if we're saying we're going forward, then we have to really get insight on what we're supposed to do. And in that place, when we get insight, we have to stand our ground. Let's go further. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble 
that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the Wait lowest. Mm -hmm. So, so in this, the Jews uh, hear the report. And in this, they're hearing the report, and you can see the people being in a place of fear and trembling. But if you could see Nehemiah, Nehemiah is not moved by anything that's coming in his direction. He's constantly seeking the Lord for understanding and direction as they're walking through this. And as he seeks direction, he gives the instructions out to the people to really stand in place and not to run, but to stand guard and continue the work, encouraging them not to give up. And God encouraged us today not to give up, but to stand guard and to adhere to the plans that he has spoken frequently to each one of us and not to give up. Amen. Let's go a little bit further. Um, I feel like I have a question. I have a question. Okay, okay. Go ahead with the <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Faye. Just, can I just add something? Um, when, when you're going out and you're uh, ministering to the people, if they don't, um, okay, so if, if they don't, like, take in what you're saying, don't be discouraged, okay? Mm -hmm. Because what you, you still move forward, because what you did was plant a seed. Mm -hmm. because don't think they're not going to go back and think about it because the Holy Spirit is going to be on their hearts. So don't be discouraged. Don't let the enemy, you know, make you believe that you didn't do anything because you did. So just be mindful of that because you may be ministering to people and they may not, they may not be ready right now and that's okay, mm -hmm. but you still did your job. Amen. You plant the seed. Mm-hmm. I had a question in regards to verse 10. Um, it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. Um, when I read that, it made me think of how the joy of the Lord is our strength. What exactly does that mean? Or can you break that down? Exactly what you're saying. But if we're not looking to them, looking to him, and we're looking to what the people are saying, then our strength is giving out. They redirected their focus based on the last verse you was really reading. What did they do? They prayed. No, before Nehemiah prayed, and he encouraged them to pray too, but Nehemiah is praying and giving direction. 
But if you really listen to what the people are, go back and read the beginning of what you said. Because it said Judah did oh. what? You mean in verse 10? Yeah. Because you got to see what he, he they did. Uh, meanwhile, the people, what? Look where it moved. Um, verse 10 says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Okay. Go back a little bit further. Um, I'll go to verse 7. When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted mm -hmm. together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Right. But you had read before, I need to go back and I'll show you what you had read before. Hold on. Pastor. Yes. Um, I think what you're looking at is the last part of the first ten, and on my version okay. of ESV, it says the, uh, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And and I think as uh, during this time we. Yeah look at ourselves and, you know, and our circumstances right. and then it kind of detract and distract us from the Lord and and to kind of go with our own strength instead of his strength. Exactly, because it's verse 10 where Judah said, Perfect. okay, the strength of us. Yeah, and, and, and yes. if you really look there, he's literally... Mm -hmm declaring, hey, we're failing. And he's focused on what's being said in the prior chapters, what they were going to come and do. And so because they basically focused in on the words rather than focusing on what Nehemiah was instructing them to do, they got caught up in what the enemy was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what we normally do. When we hear the negative, we get caught up in the negative rather than focusing on the instruction of the Lord. Because we feel sometimes that the instructions of the Lord is not good enough to sustain us. Because it doesn't look like it holds power. And he says, and wait. Do you see that? Mm. Um, and, 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 he's speaking, oh. and he's speaking for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
Go ahead, add it. Um, so I don't know if everybody can see the sequence, right? So in the beginning, when Nehemiah come, he built the wall and even before building, people already say something negative about the, 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 the past. And then, uh, and, and then when they build, because it says on first seven, eight and nine, the gap is closing, you see there's improvement and then the pressure from the enemy mm. will increase, right? And then not only that, the pressure costs the people who is distracted to look at themselves. So during this moment, be be mindful during this pressure because we might get pressure and we'll be pressure, but let let not our eyes uh, come to ourselves, but keep our eyes onto the Lord. Wow. Precious, I just sent you something I want you to read, too, because it really gives a breakdown of that a little bit further. I just looked that up. So if you can read what I just sent you. Okay. Um, the conspiracy which the Jews' enemies formed against them to stay the building, to stay the building by slaying the builders, the conspirators were not only Sanballat and Tobiah, but other neighboring people whom they had drawn into the plot. They flattered themselves with the fancy, they flattered themselves with the fancy that the work would soon stand still of itself. But when they heard that it went on, went on a prosper, they were angry at the Jews for being so hasty to push the work forward and angry at themselves for being so slow in opposing it. They were very wroth, cursed, be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. Nothing would serve, but they would fight against Jerusalem. Why that? So you can clearly see, but you can mm -hmm. clearly see in this particular chapter, these people came after them with force. And so coming after them with force, they were given up. And so now you can see why their spirit is not focused on Christ anymore, but it's focused on what's coming at them. And isn't that where we're at? We get mm -hmm. focused on, fixated on the things that are coming after us because we're standing from Christ. But we fail to remember that these things shall come because the word has told us that uh, we would, you know, run into this opposition. Mm -hmm. But we forget, like, it's not going to come after us. And the more you stand for Christ, the greater the battle. And so if you hear what's being spoken here, not only were these Tobias in, in, in the neighboring city, they pulled in everybody they could to come after them, to stop the work. Can you keep reading? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just go back. Just giving uh, you guys more history. Why? What quarrel had they with the Jews? Had they done them any wrong? Or did they design them any? No. They lived peaceably by them. But it was merely out of envy and malice. They hated the Jews and therefore vexed at their prosperity and sought their ruin 
observe, one, how unanimous they were. They conspired all of them together, though of different interest among themselves, yet one in their opposition to the work of God. Two, how close they were. They said, they shall not know, neither see till we have them at our mercy. Thus, they took crafty counsel and dig deep to hide it from the Lord and promised themselves security and success from the secrecy of their management. Three, how cruel they were. We will come and slay them if nothing less than the murder of the workmen will put a stop to the work. They will not stick at that. Nay, it is their blood they thirst for, and they are glad of any pretense to glut themselves with it. For what the design was and how confident they were of success, it was to cause the work to cease. And this they were confident that they should effect the hindering good. The hindering of good work is that which bad men aim at and promise themselves. But good work is God's work and it shall prosper. The discouragements which the builders themselves labored under at the very time when the adversary said, let us cause the work to cease. Judah said, let us even let it fall, for we are not able to go forward with it. They represent the laborers as tired and the remaining difficulties. Even at the first part of their work, the removing of the rubbish as insuperable, and therefore they think it advisable to desist for the present. Can Judah, that warlike, valiant tribe, sneak thus? Active leading men have many times as much ado to grapple with the fears of their friends as with the terrors of their enemies. The information that was brought to Nehemiah of the enemy's designs, there were Jews that dwelt um pastor we haven't read this part yet so i don't know if i want to keep going based okay, on scripture let's stop. Uh -huh, let's stop but you guys got what why they turned right did you get it you guys get why they turned yeah the pressure became too thick and they took their eyes off of god and the plan of him mm -hmm. which is correct and what do we do when that pressure becomes hard, it, it, it becomes too thick. But I love how it broke it down, one, two, three, and four. When you begin to look at that, you can see how he gets us, one, two, three, four, because mm -hmm. he knows how to come against every single one of us. Our one, two may not be the same. Our three, four may not be the same, but he has a pattern in which he comes after each one of us. Mm. And it's up to us to stand against the things that are standing against us. And when we really recognize who we are, we won't be afraid to stand up in the places that God is calling for us to stand up in. I love how even in this, they literally wanted to give up because the, the opposer was so strongly against them. But Nehemiah was in that place to encourage them to continue to have hope. Because he understood his mission. And it only takes one to change a nation. And you may be that one. 
But in order to find out whether or not you're that one, you have to stand against the opposition that stands against you. Have you ever went and purchased a vehicle? And in going to to the first dealership, the first dealership tells you no. Do you give up with the first dealership? Do you guys? You say, okay, no. I don't need a car. I'm going to catch the bus. <laughs> Even if you know you have done damage to your credit, do you still go and, and stand? Or do you just turn around and say, okay, I cannot meet this. I'm just going to take the no they offered. The Lord then said, even if you have a bankruptcy or something negative against your credit to whereby you know you shouldn't be getting something, do you still go or do you still cower out? He said, there's a workaround for everything, but you have to find that workaround. And that workaround is through the means of the spirit. God gives us access to him to obtain the things that is necessary for our walk. You guys got this, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's go further. If you want to read more, then go back to what I gave you, Precious. I think yeah. it'll help them. Okay, I'll read. One, oh, one mm -hmm. real quick. I just wanted to, because it was it, it just popped in my mind um, when Precious asked the question about the joy of the Lord is our strength, um, and it reminded me of a couple of things. One thing that the fact when uh, ultimately for the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Lord enables us to ask him for joy in the work because sometimes as we're doing the work, as we've been reading, we get tired or discouraged for various reasons. So God enables us to just say, Lord, give me joy. I ask for joy while I'm doing this work. And mm -hmm. that joy, when he gives it to us, it refreshes us. So in that refreshment, we become strong again, no longer discouraged because we believe that the work that we're doing shall produce everything that the Lord has said, it shall produce. And so it reminded me too, just one last thing, um, something pastor shared with us years ago in Bible study, how the Lord um, <clears throat> told us like in any, in any aspect of our, our relationship with him, we can always ask him for whatever it is we need. So if we're losing disengagement with the Lord, we can ask him, Lord, keep me engaged in my relationship with you. If I'm losing joy, keep me, you know, give me joy, like whatever it is we need, to stay engaged, we could always ask him for. So I just wanted to share that. And something else most important, I always say, don't leave me where I'm at. <laughs> don't leave me where I'm at. Because I know sometimes I get caught up in places, and the places I get caught up in, I don't like them because I know they're outside of the will of God. But I will always say, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I really, really intend to do because I know we play flesh games, and in that place we play flesh games, I always pray not to stay in that place. In that place, sometimes we may walk through or we may run through, and sometimes we sit on the bench and we pay attention to the surrounding before we get up and move. And 
God is faithful if you ask him to bring you up and out of these places. It's not about what you do wrong. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. It's about you understanding what grace is, which Brandon talked about in our last meeting. It's in the meeting before, I think he spoke about grace on three or four different occasions. And it's about you embracing it, understanding how to apply that grace in your life. Let's go further. Um, Verse 11, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Um, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Okay, I'm going to go back now because that's where it was. But but if you guys see here, even in their own group of people are telling them the same thing. So how do they stand? And the answer comes through prayer. Go ahead, Precious. Um, The information that was brought to Nehemiah of the enemy's designs, verse 12, there were Jews that dwelt by them in the country who, though they had not though they had not zeal enough to bring them to Jerusalem to help their brethren in building the wall, yet having by their situation opportunity to discover the enemy's motions, had so much honesty and affection to the cause as to give intelligence of them, nay, that their intelligence might be the more credited. They came themselves to give it, and they said it ten times, repeating it as men in earnest and a under concern, and the report was confirmed by many witnesses. The intelligence they gave is expressed abruptly and finds work for the critics to make out of the sense of it, which perhaps is designed to intimate that they gave their intelligence as men out of breath and in confusion, whose very looks would make up the deficiencies of their words. I think it may be read without supplying anything. Whatever place you turn to, they are against us, so that you have no need to be upon your guard on all sides. Note, God has many ways of bringing to light and so bringing to naught the devices and designs of his and his church's enemies. Even the cold and feeble Jews that contentedly dwell by them shall be made to serve as spies upon them. Nay, rather than fail, a bird of the air shall carry their voice. The pious and prudent methods which Nehemiah hereupon took to battle the design and to secure the work and workmen. Question, you guys? Maybe somebody should read Psalm 37. (laughs) Psalm 37 sums all this up. Okay, Precious. I mean, okay. uh, Faith. Psalm 37. (laughs) Okay, hold on. 
I wasn't sure if you was going to allow it or not, but. Because it has to be a counteract, right? So, um, it, 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 because we know how the enemy is, the strategy, this is what God said. Let's, let's focus on what God says about that, right? So, mm -hmm. give me a second. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find it. Okay, so, I'm reading it through the Passion Bible, if you guys don't mind. So God says, don't follow after the wicked ones or be jealous of their wealth. Don't think for a moment they're better off than you. They are their short-lived uh, success will soon shrivel up and quickly fade away like grass clippings in the hot sun. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will become secure, uh, feasting in his faithfulness. Again, um, focusing our, our on, on promises of God, we go back to what does God say about us? Amen. We're masterpiece. We're his possession. We're his beloved. We're conquerors. We're ambassadors. Mm -hmm. That's what God says. Make God the ultimate delight and, and pleasure of your life and he will provide you and he will provide for you what you desire the most give god the right to direct your life and you and as you trust him along the way you'll find he pull he'll pull it off perfectly he will appear as your righteousness as as secure i mean as sure as the drawing of a new day he will manifest as your justice, as sure and strong as the noonday sun. Quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Thank you, Lord. Keep hope alive as you along with God for God to come through for you. And don't think for a moment that the wicked in their prosperity are better off than you. Stay mm. away from angry, revenge, keep, keep um, envy afar from you for it only leads to um, lies. For one day the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will live safe and sound with blessings overflowing. Just a little while longer and the ungodly will vanish. Mm. You will look for them in vain, but the humble of heart will inherit every promise and enjoy abundant peace. Let the wicked keep plotting against the godly with all their sneers and arrogant jeers. God doesn't lose any sleep over them. He knows their day is coming. Evil ones take aim on the poor and the helpless. They are ready to slaughter those who do right. But the Lord will turn all them, all their weapons of wickedness back on themselves, piercing mm. their pride, filled heart until they are the helpless. It is much better to have little combined with much of God than to have fabulous wealth of the wicked and nothing else. For the Lord takes care of all his forgiven ones. While the strength of the evil will surely slip away, day by day the Lord watches the good deeds of the godly and he prepares for them his forever reward. Even in time of disaster, he will watch over them, and they will always have more 
than enough, no matter what happens. All the enemies of God will perish, for the wicked have only a moment, a momentary value in fading glory. Then one day they vanish, here today, gone tomorrow. They break their promises, borrowing money, but never pay it back. The good man returns what is owed to him with some extra besides. The Lord blesses ones, receive it all in the end, but the cursed one, he will cut off with nothing to show for themselves. The steps of the God prompt, the steps of the, of the God pursuing one fully, I mean, following firmly in his footsteps of the Lord and that God delights in every steps they take to follow him. Well, that's a good ending for the message today. Amen. That's awesome. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's an amen after I that. Suggest, <laughs> yeah, I would suggest you guys go back and read uh, Go back and read this. I was just reading this in the uh, passion because there is more, but that was enough right now. It, because... <laughs> yeah. Because we have to stay, we have to stay encouraged and 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 edify each other. Because for like right now, this walk is no joke. And mm-hmm. so, but but we have to re we have to just re um, iterate the encouragement. We can do this. You can do this. God says you can do this. Amen. Okay, Faye. So, did you end with all the document, um, precious? I did. Okay. So and this is the word for us today. Praise God. That's um, awesome. Brandon, can you close us out? Amen. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for this day and this message that we've all received. Now, from this point forward, may we, may we walk forward and be the person that you've called us to be. We thank you, and we are in your grace and under grace that we will walk this out and we trust you that you are going to teach us how to live and teach us how to move and live and have our being. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.